Hello, and welcome to episode 63 of Outnumbered the Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss with you something that's on a lot of our minds right now, how to be prepared for a disaster. We talked to you about how to physically prepare for a disaster, but we also want to discuss with you how to prepare psychologically and spiritually for anything that might come your way during unexpected events. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to Outnumber the Podcast. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Audrey. We're experienced moms to a combined total of 18 children. Our mission is to help overwhelmed parents find peace in parenting and humor in the chaos. Come join us as we attempt uninterrupted conversation about parenting with joy and intention. Okay, and we're going to talk today about disaster preparedness, how to get you and your kids in your home and everything ready for before a disaster hits. But as usual, we're going to start off with a humor segment. So I don't know. I, I'm kind of a person who, for various reasons that I'm not getting into right now, I don't like hand sanitizer. Mm -hmm. And this um, (laughs) dislike of hand sanitizer was cemented through this comical little experience experience that I'm going to share with you now. So I don't have any hand sanitizer in my house. Don't keep it here because of my dislike for it for unexplained reasons. (laughs) But um, one day I was babysitting and this um, child that I was babysitting had brought some hand sanitizer in with them. And um, so my let's see, it was probably my one-year-old at the time, this was several years ago, got into this bottle of hand sanitizer and was playing with it. And um, we found what he was doing. It was quiet, you know, that when they get into something, they're always quiet. Uh (laughs) And uh we found him um, because he screamed and started to cry. And that was what happened when he got it in his mouth because it's so high in alcohol that it... uh, it burns. Mm-hmm. So well, right away, I washed off as much as I could and got him cleaned up. But he had been playing with it long enough that he was drunk. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's actually a side note. It's actually a problem that in um, like middle schools. They won't let the kids bring in hand sanitizer because they're misusing it to get a, a certain level of... <sighs> drunkenness during school or whatever. But anyway, uh, the size of a one-year-old's body, um, he was drunk. And if in the future he ever decides to imbibe in alcohol, we can let him know that he's a happy drunk. He was dancing. He was running around. He was playing. He was the happiest baby that ever could be. But um, a couple of different things happened to him as a result of this. He lost his depth perception. And if he was, we couldn't put him like on the couch or on the bed because he would just in his little dance or walk or run, he would just go right off the edge. Like he had lost his depth perception. <laughs> oh my gosh, poor baby. <laughs> I know. It's it's so stupid, funny, sad, funny. But then um, he, he slept. He took the most long nap, like three or four hours nap. And when he woke up, he must have had a baby hangover or a headache or something because he was so crabby and cried and cried. (laughs) Poor baby. But the sad part of this is um, 
afterwards, we had to put him on a protocol of good bacteria, lots of good bacteria, getting it back into him because the um, bacterial killers in hand sanitizer will not only kill the bad bacteria, but they'll kill the good bacteria as well. And this isn't very safe for a baby. So you have to build back up their good bacteria, like with probiotics and yogurt and lots of good stuff, and then kind of keep them away. They're like a person with low immunity for a little while because they don't have any good bacteria. So just added to my list of reasons why I don't like hand sanitizer and maybe just a little cautionary tale for those of you that might have hand sanitizer out there. Just be careful with it. Yeah. You know, I've heard a similar story before and that is just terrifying. Your poor baby. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. Oh, I tell you, motherhood is all f- full of all sorts of weird stuff. I tell you. I know stuff we didn't uh, stuff we didn't even know about till we became mothers, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting the time of the time that we live in right now, and the hot commodity that hot commodity that is hand sanitizer and toilet paper and all the other things that people are are, are grabbing off shelves. But um, we had wanted to talk about this this subject for a while, and we realized now is definitely the time since we find ourselves in this weird sort of self distancing thing. Um, and it's a bit of a, a bit of a concern for many people and it finds some of us unaware. It's like, Whoa, what do we do now? Like, uh, or unprepared rather, like, uh, do we have enough food? Do we have enough water? What, what happens if the supply chain shuts down, you know, all, all sorts of things. So the main reason we're bringing this up is simply because it's a timely topic. By no means do we want to, you know, um, cause fear or panic or anyone or anything like that. We, we actually think that those things are, um, probably the biggest problems in a disaster type scenario is that people start to panic. And so when you're prepared, there's no fear, right? So that is the point of our, our episode today. Um, we just think that it's a much better idea to be prepared than to be worried, basically. Yeah, I think we've said that about a lot of other topics we've covered in in parenting. I remember saying that in our Parasite episode, yuck, but it's better to know about it and be prepared than not, right? <laughs> it, yes, exactly. So we're going to cover this topic in three different areas, three different ways to be prepared. So you want to, of course, physically be prepared, both at home preparation we're going to talk about, and then if you have to leave your home. The second area we're going to be covering is uh, the psychological preparedness that we need. So preparing our mind, our emotions, um, helping those of us, those around us and dealing with uh, the psyche of the masses. So like we talked about, you know, crowding, crowd panicking and even just the emotional well-being of our own families. Yeah. And then um, the last area we want to talk about is being spiritually prepared for any disaster that might come. Yeah, totally. Okay, so to dive into the area number one, that physical preparation, this has been the one that most people have been concerned about so far, right? Because it's the very first immediate need you think of. Uh, Do we have enough food? Are we going to be healthy and safe, right? Yeah. So a few tips that we've come up with are um, learning to cook from scratch. So if you're the type of person who either eats out or buys prepackaged food, then when the groceries start looking empty and you're told to stay away from, you know, eating establishments, you start to get a little nervous, right? Like, well, how am I going to eat? Because I don't, I don't know what to do with wheat or I don't know what to do with a can of tomato sauce or whatever. So most of us probably do maybe a, a mix of this. Like, I don't know anybody that, that cooks truly from scratch 100% of the time. And I don't know anybody that eats 
out all the time. Um, but to just expand those skills a little bit more, like if you normally purchase your tomato sauce, your spaghetti sauce or whatever, maybe this is the week you learn how to make it from scratch. Totally not hard, right? Or maybe you learn how to make bread with your kids or whatever it is to take those steps, take those skills a little bit further. Um, as far as making sure that you have uh, clean and appropriate water to drink, you can purchase the right filters, um, maybe alternative fuel. So we have like a sun oven you can cook in, um, propane, etc. And um, then also, you know, try to store a little bit more shelf stable food, both short term and long term. So we, as our family personally, tries to have some long-term food, like freeze-dried type stuff that if things get really bad, we could go to that. But then plenty of, of the short-term stuff too, like the stuff we, we eat every single day, but is only good for maybe a month or so, if that makes sense. Right. Perishables. Yeah. 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 And if you're trying to learn a new cooking skill, I just want to say that YouTube is your best friend. Like a cooking tutorial video, there are so many on YouTube and and you can find... <laughs> How to do just about anything you want to cook there. Okay, so my I had some tips for preparing at home. Um, just start off with by living a healthy lifestyle. Now, if you're in the middle of a disaster right now, this probably isn't very nice advice to give you. <laughs> but to prepare for a future disaster, if you live a healthy healthy lifestyle, then when a disaster shows up, you're going to be more prepared for it physically, mentally, in, in about every way you can be prepared. And um, another suggestion, suggestion I had was to FIFO your food supply. So FIFO stands for first in, first out. That's how they stock grocery stores. They don't put the newest eggs in the front. They put the newest eggs in the back so that the oldest eggs get taken off the shelf first. So if at home, we also can FIFO our food supply so that the oldest food gets eaten first and the newest food lasts longer. Um, another way to be prepared, have enough food is to plant a garden, even um, a raised bed or a pot of tomatoes. You'll be surprised how much one tomato plant can produce. I remember um, I had a bunch of tomato starts one year and I was passing them out to friends because I had everything I needed. And this sweet man that I gave <laughs> a tomato plant to kept track of how many tomatoes came off of the one plant that I gave him. And it was like 200 or something. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. It was crazy. Yeah. So anyway, lots of food that you can get in even off one, one pot. Um, raise your own food or control your own food supply. Uh, of course, this is easy for me to say, but this has been about at least a 10 to 15 year process for us that we can raise much of our own food with dairy animals and chickens and rabbits. Um, but if your food supply becomes compromised through whatever, um, you know, say there's a flood and crops get wiped out or something, then you can be in control of your own food supply, which is important. Clean water is very important. And you can even get those little filters that you put in a water bottle so you can, they can purify and clean water that is not clean as you just right as you're drinking it. And then have on hand any supplements or medicines, um, like a stock of them. Um, maybe when you I was looking at um, some of Jordan Page's emergency preparedness and food storage information. She's really good about that. She's been doing it for years and has tons of resources. Um, we'll link to a really nice post of hers in the 
show notes, but um, she has this uh, little saying that she buys one for now and two for later. <laughs> mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. would be on non-perishables like toilet paper or vitamins or, you know, whatever, whatever that's not going to perish. You can buy one for now and two for later and then always be prepared. Right. And I understand that the idea of food storage and water storage um, to the average Joe who's never thought about it can seem extremely overwhelming, especially if you have a lot of little mouths to feed, but it really doesn't have to be. So we personally have been have been storing food our entire married lives. So 15, 16 years. And um, so we're, we're kind of old hat at it, but it's so easy to just start with one or two things. Let's say your family eats a lot of noodles. And so you just want to be sure you have enough noodles to get you through a month. Then every time you go to the store, instead of buying one or two packs, you buy three or four. And noodles, they're like a dollar or two dollars a box, right? (laughs) So with just a few dollars here and there, you can stock up. And then the trick is every time you use one, you repurchase it instead of waiting until you're all the way out, right? So so generally people look at their pantry and say, oh, I still have five boxes of noodles. I'm good. I don't have to buy any. But the alternative thinking is, no, I used a box this week. I need to replenish that. And then you go out and buy it again. So there are a million different systems of doing this. In fact, if you fall down the food storage rabbit hole online, you might not come out for a while (laughs) because there are so many resources, so many. But you can just start very simple with just accumulating the foods you eat. Um, over and over, especially canned goods that last for months and months at a time, you know, and uh, without too much additional cost. So that's just a little tip for you. So um, part another part of preparing ourselves physically is preparing our home. So specifically shelter and clothing needs, right? You know that at this point, we're going to bring up learning to sew, right? Because Audrey and I are pretty happy with the fact that we could clothe our family, you know? (laughs) Everybody just needs to know that. It's so empowering. Yeah, and it's so fun. It's so fun. Um, And even even if you never get to the point where you can sew a garment from scratch, even just being able to do some alterations or some mending is huge. So when your kid gets a hole in their pants, if it's difficult to find new clothes or, you know, supply chains messed up or whatever, or you just don't want to spend the money, you can go put a patch on those pants instead of just putting them in the garbage can. So it makes you so much more um, self-reliant. I love it. Um, I'd love to make things work for multiple kids. So when one kid grows out of pants, then we cut them off and make them shorts. And then when they grow out of those shorts, then we pass them on to the next kid. And then when they, you know, you can get the ideas, just reusing things until you just wear them completely out. (laughs) Um, I also love to share, uh, tips for, um, keeping your life moving when the power goes out. So if you've ever had the power go out, which I'm sure we all have, it is shocking how many things you do on a regular basis that cannot be done when the power is out, like cooking dinner as per usual, or, um, plugging in your phone or turning on the computer, you know, all these things that it sounds silly like duh, but it's kind of a shocker when you're used to having electricity at your beck and call all the time. So it's important to think about these things. Do you have a stack of can a stock of candles in your house somewhere so that if it's dark and you don't want to go to bed at 6:30, you guys could stay up and play games by candlelight or whatever or find pajamas. Um, do you have alternative heating or cooling methods for when the power goes out? Um, uh, battery operated flashlights, any number of things that could that would be essential if that electricity wasn't working. Yeah, those are all great tips. Um, keeping candles on hand. Yeah. Like the we can use our cell phones for f- flashlights, but then we can't recharge our phones. So we got to, you know, <laughs> exactly. think through that kind of thing. <laughs> all right. Then um, I've had some tips for preparing 
for disasters um, at home shelter and clothing needs. Um, be sure to think about special things that kids need, like diapers. You don't want to run out of diapers unless you can sew cloth diapers. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you want to think about warm or cool clothing or weather. Like um, if it's in winter, do you have blankets on hand or is it going to be hot? You know, what can you do to keep kids cool? Maybe in hot, hot climates if the air conditioning is out. And then you want to be sure you have um, first aid supplies on hand. We talked a lot about what is in our first aid kits on episode 34 in preparing, you know, for kids in emergencies. But if there's a disaster and and you can't get out or a supply chain is interrupted, it would be good to have um, your, your first aid kit stocked and not be out of something. I suppose this could be another area where you, um, you know, stock up with five ahead of time and then just replace one as you use it and be, be prepared that way. And then another good thing to keep on hand, um, shelter and clothing home needs is batteries, different size batteries for different things that use batteries. Cause if the electricity is out, you will be using batteries. <laughs> right. True. True. Like I keep thinking in Arizona, if our power goes out for a prolonged period of time during the summer, we're toast, like literally. <laughs> it's going to be so hot. So like battery-operated yeah. fans would be really nice, you know? So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, great, great thoughts. Um, and so the next step in, next area in talking about physical preparation is to prepare to leave your home. So luckily, <laughs> our current disaster is uh, just the fact that we're stuck at home. Like it's kind of awesome <laughs> in a lot of ways, <laughs> not for, not for yeah. the countries that are on major lockdown, but for us here in the U.S., things are still pretty easygoing and we're just asked to not, um, you know, be in a lot of areas with a lot of people. So, so we just have to prepare our homes. But if you are required to evacuate your home, then things get a little bit trickier, right? So if a flood is coming, a hurricane, tornado, fire, any number of things where your home is not a safe place to be, you need to be prepared to leave and sometimes very quickly, right? So in um, our family, we have prepared these go bags or or sometimes we call them 72-hour kits with enough supplies to last our family for 72 hours or thereabouts, a couple of days, right? So that if we had to just hop in the car and take off, we would just grab these bags and be ready to go. Now, full disclosure, it's been a couple of years since I looked in ours. <laughs> Like my original goal was to look at them every six months or so. But then I started having so many kids and and quickly that I couldn't keep up on the right um, season and sizes of clothes. So instead, we just decided to buy a a pair of an outfit of clothes in every size, gender neutral, and pack it with that. So that way- I don't have to worry. Oh, do I have a girl's pair of shorts in there? No. Size 10? No. I just, it's just in there. There's something for you to wear. If it's a disaster, you're not going to care if it's a girl or boy or black or pink (laughs) or whatever. Um, And then what else is in there? Okay. So copies of important documents. So like your homeowner's insurance could be very important if you were evacuated for a hurricane, you come back and your home is gone right? Um, oh, yeah. c- copies of passports, IDs, um, vaccine schedules, doctors, numbers, any number of things that you think you might need out of your home. Um, copies of social security cards, anything that could get destroyed and you would need in the future. Uh, phone numbers in case something happens to your phone. Obviously, none of us know how to call anyone except 911 because we can't remember phone <laughs> numbers anymore. Uh, it's also helpful to have some cash in there, Um, you know, as well as some shelf stable food, granola bars, powdered milk, anything that could keep you guys alive for a couple of days. So that also seems kind of overwhelming, but can be put together fairly simply a little at a time, um, into just basic backpacks and stored in an attic or something. 
Right. Those are all awesome things. And it makes me feel very unprepared because I don't have some of those stuff, some of those things ready to go. Yeah. My um, list of things to have prepared if you have to leave home um, for, you know, forest fire, flood, whatever, hurricane, passports, um, a travel food supply. Uh, it's especially keeping in mind kids that have allergies or special food needs that you might not be able to get on the road. Um, keep your vehicle in good condition. Um, maybe it's not full of gas, but you know, have you, is it 10,000 miles overdue for an oil change? (laughs) Has the engine check engine light been on for three months? You know, just keep your vehicle in good condition. Someday you'll be really thankful that you did. Um, maybe some pre-planned routes. So if this road is flooded, what's an alternative road? Be familiar with, with some routes, both, both locally to you. And then maybe a little farther away. Um, you know, as everyone was fleeing hurricane, which hurricane was it Katrina or something, all the roads were jammed and and nobody could go because they only knew the, you know, the main interstate route to go. But if people that knew like alternative routes, they could go. So Mm -hmm. just pre-planned routes, you know, maybe your first choice and your second choice. And then again, I had cash on my list as well. Cash Mm -hmm. would go a long way um, where a check or credit card or whatever else might not go. Although you should have some credit cards as well for on the road in places that are a little sketchy and you don't want to use (laughs) your bank card or something. Right. Right. Yeah. One final thought that I uh, forgot to mention is um, making a plan with your loved ones on how to reconnect. So that was another big problem in Katrina and other disasters like that, where people would evacuate and go to all different states and no one knew how to find people, especially if cell phones weren't working or had been damaged. So an example might be, let's say you um, want to make sure that your extended family can check on you. So you pick someone who lives far away that you have their phone number written down or memorized, and that's who you check in with. Like, so let's say, mm. Audrey, your family has to evacuate. You've told your family ahead of time you're going to be calling your mom or you're going to be calling your sister who lives three states away to check in um, if a disaster happens. And you do this right. way ahead of time, obviously. So then everybody knows, oh, we don't know where Audrey's family is. We need to check on them. They call your sister and she's the one, she's the hub of information. So yeah. that's just a thought there too. Um, final thoughts on the physical preparation, you guys. This, this can seem so overwhelming and so scary, but it doesn't have to be. Just a little at a time, we can prepare ourselves. I recommend um, thinking about the things you run out of first. Okay, so what prompts you to go to the store? For us, it's cheese. Every time we run out of cheese, cheese. I'm like, okay, <laughs> time for the store because my family goes through a lot of cheese. Cheese isn't something you can always store, but actually there is shelf-stable cheese. So if that's something that's important to me, maybe I stock up on some of that. Um, it Maybe it's milk for you. Maybe it's diapers. Maybe you can have a little bit of a stockpile of something that you find yourself running to the store for all the time. Or perhaps you just want to get more versed in making meals that do not require lots of fresh items that might be might be more rare to find in a, in a disaster. So just step by step, make a few more preparations for yourself. Don't go crazy. Don't panic and don't stress yourself out. But um, any little bit of preparation now can help you in a future scary time. Right. And I did want to make a little final note or on uh, this really isn't about physical preparedness, but I did want to say that in this month's Patreon episode, Bonnie and I are sharing specifics about what we have done to be prepared for the current coronavirus disaster and how it's affecting our families. So be sure you're following us on Patreon for that. Okay. The next thing we're going to talk about is being prepared psychologically. And like we said, there's three different areas of this that we're going to talk about. 
And the first one is preparing yourself psychologically. So internal preparation. Now, um, because we have children and because most of you, our audience has children, we need to be the calm parent figure. If we are freaking out, our kids are going to freak out. It's going to have an incredible effect on them too. So be the calm parent figure. <laughs> Another thought I had was to expect the unexpected um, so that it won't throw you for a loop. Just, you know, something unexpected comes your way. Okay, well, I knew something unexpected was going to happen or many unexpected things were going to happen because that's like you don't ever expect a disaster. You don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, hey, <laughs> I think we're going to have a disaster today. And how, you know, a disaster is unexpected. So be prepared for lots of unexpected things during the disaster. And then um, we've talked a lot, a lot in our episodes about um, being confident in your own brand of motherhood. But at a time like this as well, be confident in your own research, in your own solutions that you come up with, in your own intuition. Um, because if you move forward confidently with confidence, then those that you love, your kids, those that you can um, have an influence over, they can be confident in your research and solutions and intuition as well. Right. Um, my thoughts on in this internal psychological preparation is that when you do put forth an ounce, an ounce of prevention, then you get a pound of cure, right? So just what we're talking about right now to just start to create a little bit of a, of a stockpile or to create a little bit of um, preparation mentally ahead of time can go a long way in keeping you calm when something like this actually happens, right? Instead of going, oh my gosh, I never anticipated this. We know it's a crazy time right now. Disasters are happening. Um, you know, whether they're, it's a disease or a fire or whatever, um, to just be prepared mentally that, hey, bad things are going to happen and it's okay. Just because we can't control them doesn't mean that we need to, to panic. I personally... At this time, I think I've mentioned in previous episodes that I'm not a big fan of watching the news because I get, I let it worry me unnecessarily. That's just my own uh, fault, I guess. But I've noticed that in, in times like this, I do pay a little bit more attention to the news, but without believing everything that I hear, if that makes sense. So I, I prefer to consult professionals for guidance. So I'll listen to what the news is saying about, like, for example, what we're going through right now, this coronavirus thing. And then I will go research medical articles that are, that are telling me the cold hard facts. And I go, okay, so this is a concern, but this is not, I'm not going to just, you know, fall prey to every scary thing that comes across my TV or radio and to not give into that panic. Like you're saying. That is so true because if you look at how much, what is being said in the news has changed just in the course of one week, like you and I were talking before we came on the air, that it seems like it's been a month since we've talked, but it's like the news has changed so much in the course of a week, what they're saying about the same disaster event that you really can't rely on it too much. So yes, definitely, definitely do your own research. Okay, the next area that we wanted to talk about being psychologically prepared is help helping prepare those you can control and influence. So this means your kids, this means your family, this means others that you maybe have influence over. So with your kids, you want to talk through different scenarios with the kids. Um, you know, like we talked about how to be prepared to leave home to evacuate in an emergency. Well, let's talk it through with kids because 
then they won't be so scared. <laughs> you know, you talk about having a fire in your home and that is a super scary thing to a kid. But if you go through, if you make a plan and you do a fire drill a couple times and your kids are prepared for that, then it's not so, it's not as scary anymore. It's still serious, but it's not as scary. So talk through different scenarios with your kids just to get them thinking about different things that could happen. And then um, just in general, you can't really do this in the middle of a disaster, but we're talking about being prepared for a disaster in the future. Raise independent thinkers. Raise them not to be so reliant on the thoughts and the news and the ideas of others, but raise them to think independently so that they're doing their own research and relying on their own opinion and coming up with their own conclusions so that they're not so dependent on what's coming out of the rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. And and like you were saying earlier, I think that it is important for us to protect our kids without um, raising ignorant kids, if that makes sense, right? So one of my tips in this area is to inspire our kids by talking about what they can control, right? So let's take our current example. Instead of talking about how this disease is spreading and it's scary and what are we going to do, we say, you know what we're going to do? We've been taught to avoid crowds, so we're not going to go to the movies like we planned to. Instead, we're going to have a fun movie night in the backyard when dad comes home tonight, etc. Because we're doing our part to limit the spread of this disease. Um, we are going to come up with a new recipe that we can use these old beans for because they've been sitting in our pantry forever and we haven't used them. And that's doing our part to stay away from a busy store or whatever. And you, and you empower your kids with the knowledge that they can fix things even in a scary time. Um, secondly, I would encourage moms and dads to not dwell on unnecessary disasters or like unlikely scenarios is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, uh, in the desert, we're not going to talk a lot about hurricanes. Oh my gosh, if there was a hurricane, <laughs> because we're not going to get a hurricane in Phoenix. Um, but we can prepare them for things that are more likely to happen. So if this happened, what would we do? Rather than, you know, because as moms, I'm, I'm sure every one of you is like me sometimes where your mind just spins. And what if this? And what if this? You know, like the the obligation and responsibility to keep your family safe is overwhelming sometimes. But we don't need to pass that on to our kids by, by projecting it, especially when a lot of it is totally unlikely, right? Just keep them safe and, and, and happy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I did have another little thought on this is that limit kids' exposures to the to the scary news and, and be their newscasters. So maybe, you know, you check the news or watch the news, whatever your news source is when they're not around. And then when they're there, you be the news source of information for them so that the scary things like don't even come in to their radar, but you can present it to them in a way that you know will be helpful to them. And then um, friends and family especially older people are kind of susceptible to scams or myths or rumors. And, and maybe we can be the um, help dispel those myths for our friends and family and maybe be a little more logical and help show them and talk them through that. Some things are just, they're just people trying to scam. I, I know that in every disaster, there's people who are trying to take advantage of it. And so we can help people like our friends and family that we can influence as well. 
Yeah. And along those lines, I would also say that in every disaster, there are helpers as well, yeah. right? Like I've heard yes. that, that saying, when when bad things happen, look for the helpers to really inspire you that the world is still a good place. So you can do that. You know, you can watch the news and look for those fun, exciting, kind of miraculous stories where people have helped each other and uh, share those with your kids. Um, an, an example I'll share is there was just a tornado recently in um, the Nashville area, really close to where my sister-in-law lives. And uh, I had shared it with my, my kids and we we had prayed for the area and my sister-in-law's house was totally unscathed, which was wonderful. And we were so grateful. And then she started sharing some pictures of the damage that had been done very close by, but she was sharing some miracles too. And I shared those with my kids and they were just so amazed that, wow, what a miracle that those people survived and that someone helped these people out, et cetera. So you can help them look for the good, even in scary, uncertain times. Right, right. I saw a cute video um, uh, during our time. They have shut down the zoos, a lot of zoos, and somebody, a zookeeper, posted a a little cute video clip online where they had let the penguins out and wander around the zoo, and the penguins were just going from exhibit to exhibit, just <laughs> looking at all these different things in the zoo. And it was so cute, and that was something I shared with my kid. And I didn't share, you know, with them other news stories that were more scary, but that one was kind of a cute right. one for them to see. Okay, maybe you'll have to link to that one because that one sounds adorable. The penguin patrons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, so the last bit we want to share on the psychological aspect of things is preparing for this psychology of the masses, like we mentioned, that there's sometimes mass hysteria and panic, false information. For example, here in Arizona, we have we have just a handful of confirmed cases of coronavirus, but the stores are already empty, <laughs> the lines at Costco are a mile long, and I understand some people are just trying to prepare, but some people are feeding into, you know, these these uh, this hysteria that's really unnecessary, and so. We're going to teach our children and those around us to not feed into that by not believing or reposting everything that we read or see, right? To maybe do due diligence, figure out if there's any truth to it, and not um, keep posting sensational articles just to be sensational, right? To be prepared to protect (laughs) the innocent people that you love. (laughs) Right. And also, you want to keep in mind that the media makes money by being sensational. And sometimes I almost feel sorry for the media, you know, like they have to keep those television cameras rolling 24 mm-hmm, seven and mm-hmm. they find some poor person and get their hysterical story. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, and another thing you can do is look for themes and proceed with caution. So one, sometimes one media channel will say something and then it's picked up by other media channels and it goes on and on. And then you just wait a day or two and oops, that thing wasn't true. I know a lot of that (laughs) happened um, during the last Hurricane Katrina or whatever the last hurricane was. There was a lot of things that proved to not be true. So, you know, just wait 24 hours and then, and then see, but yeah, the psychology of the masses Mm -hmm, is, it's mm -hmm. kind of a scary thing because the big thing is that people are scared and they're reacting out of that. And so um, if we can just not be scared ourselves, then then we can protect ourselves and those we love from those who are scared. Right. Okay, so we are going to move on from this psychological and mental preparation to the spiritual preparation. And this is my favorite part, although this is definitely something that needs to be done ahead of time before things get get scary. Not, not to say you can't continue to prepare yourself spiritually, but it really helps to be, be aware of this ahead of time. Um, the one thing I wanted to share at this point was that there's not really anything to fear, but fear itself, right? We've all heard that, that line before. Fear itself is terrifying <laughs> because it creates 
hysteria. People panic. People do dumb things when they're afraid. If we focus on how wonderful life is, because it is, our lives, life is wonderful. You know, growing up and creating families and working and doing something you love, so much of life is wonderful, but it's also hard. And, and we'll see plenty of both as we live, right? Um, but in order to keep the peace in my home, I choose to focus on the good and to focus on um, the peace that I find even when I'm scared. Um, and in order to raise these spiritually resilient kids that I want to raise, it's important for me to focus on this day in, day out, the peace, the peace, the peace that we're seeking. And and the peace just comes from God. That, that can't be found in the media. That's for sure. They're not trying to bring anybody peace. <laughs> <laughs> so, so true. Yeah. Yeah. I, my thoughts on spiritual preparation are that um, a, a deep, strong um, connection to God is super important to me and for each of my family and my loved ones. But before the disaster arrives, um, um, so you have to be prepared that in a disaster, people die and you might die. And have you asked yourself the big questions of life and what is the meaning of life and what happens after you die and all those. And we are planning a future episode on preparing kids for death and loss and mourning um, and how to prepare kids. But at this point, I just wanted to say um, to as part of spiritual preparation, you know, ask yourself the big questions of life and, and come to peace with some of the answers because the end of life for everybody, ultimately the end of this existence that we know here on the earth is death. And so, you know, we have to ask ourselves and then what? So yeah, spiritually to help us prepare spiritually for any disaster. Yeah. And, and as a final thought, I just want to say, talking about disasters just by nature sounds very doom and gloom sometimes. And so we apologize for that. We're not trying to, to like bring everybody down, but this is really what life is about, right? Like we say, there's good, there's bad, there's scary, there's wonderful, there's, there's peaceful aspects of life and there's harrowing, terrifying aspects of life. But with, with a family, you know, if you personally are spiritually grounded and you teach your kids to be the same, you'll be fine. You really will. Um, and you know, we, we try not to get terribly spiritual on, on this podcast, but it's very important for both of us, um, to share that, that we believe life isn't the, the end and that, that there's so much peace to be found in understanding that and knowing that, um, you know, we're, we're meant to have joy, even, even when scary times hit. So that's, that's the point of this episode not to be doom and gloom, but to just say, Hey, we're going to be okay. And we need to just reflect that peace and, and happiness to our children. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Those are basically my final thoughts too. It's better to be prepared than to be scared and being prepared helps you feel confident, um, for whatever comes your way. So we have those recommendations for you. We're going to link to Jordan Page's fun, cheap, or free emergency prep and how to do it. And then that cute little penguin video. And we're going to link some of our favorite food storage resources on Amazon and other places. Thanks so much for tuning in. Did you know you can help the podcast in several ways? First up, we're on Patreon. And there are three different levels to support us there. Just head to patreon.com slash outnumbered. Next up, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a written review on iTunes. It helps other parents find the podcast and receive the help you're enjoying. And finally, you can follow us on Instagram at outnumbered the podcast. We're always having fun over there too. As usual, if you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can reach us at outnumberedthepodcast at gmail.com. 
Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> I don't Can know you, why, what's up with my it mic. It is. Yeah, usually your line is a lot bigger. So in your system preferences, in your sound, can you um, yeah. turn up your input or your output volume? Yeah, let me take a picture. I never messed with it, so I don't know why it would be. Yeah, but you have down. nine kids, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not supposed to come, touch, touch anything uh, well, in here. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. My kids, too. But every time I come back to my sewing machine, all my settings are all messed up and my computer everything's turned many, around. Can't tell you how many times my uh, sewing machine has gotten sharpied. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> my husband was so mad when he saw it. I, I, I'm a little bit more mellow because I see the destruction that they wreak on my house. But he's like, that was a thousand dollars. I'm like, it's okay, honey. I know. It's okay. I know. They ruin everything. It's okay. It could just be wiped off. Okay. I'm not – okay. Input. My two-year-old was – thinking that she every time I sewed she had to sew with me and she was she would get her little scraps out of my trash and she would sit in front of the sewing machine and push the fabric through under the presser foot and she would go (laughs) (laughs) and I kept telling her it was okay if I was there but not to be playing without well sure enough the other day she was sewing without me and she came running screaming because her finger was bloody she somehow got it caught (gasps) on the needle oh no poor thing yep yeah now you learn (laughs) Okay, I'm seeing a massive volume, but I'm not seeing a volume. Hold on, let me Google this real quick.